Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, sports zonians. This is a treat for us here. Thank you for listening to us, everybody, on the This Is Sports Zone podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. We thank you for joining us. I'm joined with Bobby Guarante, the president and head of the I-95 Sports Network, I-95 Sports Radio Net, uh, Blackjack TV, Zingo TV, all that stuff. Bobby, thank you for joining us here tonight. Mike, anytime. You've been a long time uh, show of ours, so it's glad to come on and uh, you know reminisce a little bit and talk about a fantastic friggin' show. Yes, that is correct. Because tonight, and this is going to be fun because we're going to be on the podcasting networks, and we got video on Bobby's networks here, and we're talking Cobra Kai, which is a show that I've been a fan of since it came out. It came out on YouTube Premium about three or four years ago, but. I feel like the broader world really became aware of it when Netflix bought it and put it on Netflix about three or four months ago. We're going to talk about all three seasons here tonight. This is going to be a spoiler review. So anybody who hasn't seen this show, what in the hell are you waiting for? You got to watch this show. It's a fantastic show. Season three, of course, came out last Friday. And I don't know about you. I like I had to work on New Year's Day. I couldn't get home fast enough to watch this thing. And I watched the whole thing that night, and I thought it was really, really good. Like, you watched all was, 10 the first night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, it's, I couldn't last see, that long. I lasted two. two and <laughs> and I had to go to bed, and then I, I finished the rest of the, like, the next day. That's the beautiful thing about this show. Like, this show and The Mandalorian are fantastic because as great as they are, they're only about 35, 40 minutes long at the most. But so the it, does it give us the... Uh, the, the benefit of a Netflix series, which gives you all the shows at once. Like yes. Stranger Things, when that comes out, you know, I'm watching all 10, 12 episodes in a week, if that. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, I get, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I think Disney Plus should drop The Mandalorian all at once, but I mean, there's something to be said about watching it one episode at a time, digesting it and everything, or you can binge it all at once. Because I know some shows I've binged all at once, and it's like, okay, which episode did this happen in? The events kind of blur together exactly. on particular episodes. So I guess it's a to-each-its-own thing. Uh, when all the MCU shows come out, you know it's because it's Disney Plus, it's going to be one week at a time. But the thing about Disney Plus is it gives you enough that you feel like you, you, you got satisfied in that viewing, and you can't wait for the next week. That being said, I was very happy to watch all 10 episodes all right, right at once. Wow. Wow. Yep. So let's dive into this here. Cobra Kai, of course, is the continuation of the Karate Kid series from the 80s, which I know I grew up on. I was a kid when those movies came out. Bobby, you're a little bit older than me, but I know you you grew up on those movies too, right? Well, there, there are two, I always say there are two movies. Um Aside from The Godfather, it's a whole different genre of movie, right? Sure. Two movies from my childhood that if they're on the TV, it's kind of hard for me to pull away. One, the movie I probably watched the most, uh, they're probably equal about now. One is Grease. I grew up on Grease. You know, Grease is on TV. I, I love it. I watch it. I, you know, I can always, I can always say every single word of every single line in Grease and from start to finish. And just mm. you know, watch it that way. Mm. And of course, number two or one A to one B is Karate Kid, a movie I just grew up on and loved. And you know, it was funny. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's 
coming. Well, it's coming soon here in New Jersey. I, I remember being like, you know, in grammar school and, you know, a freshman in high school saying, oh, why can't we have a golf and stuff with an indoor water park? You know, 30 years later, we're finally getting <laughs> one here in New Jersey once the, uh, the ball opens up over here. Mm. Yeah. We we don't have golf and stuff over here. Like I live in Chester, New York, so we had the castle by us. That has a lot of the same things that is as a golf and stuff. Unfortunately, uh, the pandemic has really hurt the castle, but we have that. And my movie was Ghostbusters. Okay. That, that's my that's my movie. I'm a Ghostbusters guy. That's my favorite movie of all time. Karate Kid is a movie that for me I loved it when I was a kid. But after the whole series came out, obviously, you had the three movies. You had the next Karate Kid. Then you had the Jaden Smith Karate Kid, which I think it's funny because I work with a lot of um, pe uh, kids between the ages of 17 and 21. And it's unfortunate, this whole generation, you say Karate Kid to them, oh, that movie with Jaden Smith. No, not that movie with Jaden Smith. No, not that movie with Jaden Smith. Like Jackie Chan, I didn't think that is. No, no. So unfortunately, you know, the generation culture and the whole thing. But um, after hey, that, quick, when I real quick, real quick, ironically, I don't know if you notice, Will Smith. Will Smith is, is yes, a, a, produ a producer, a head producer of uh, the show. So. From what I know, I think he bought a stake in the franchise when that movie was made. So that's why he retains an executive producer credit on okay, that. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, when the idea of Cobra Kai first came out and I heard this. I was just like, why are we revisiting this franchise? It was a good movie and everything. But to me, like, I'll always have a reverence for that movie because I saw it when I was a kid and everything, and I liked it. It is one of those movies where I feel like if you try to explain it to a younger generation or you watch it when you're older, yeah, you know, you'll get the same feels and everything. But I don't want to say it doesn't hold up, but to me, it, it doesn't as well as as other movies from the 80s, like Ghostbusters, the Rocky movies, things like that. I I like it, but I never felt like I needed a show like this. And then Cobra Kai premieres, and the thing they did really well, this is a show from the viewpoint of the guy who is the villain, in Johnny Lawrence. You start with his point of view, and that brings us in to the first season of Cobra Kai that kind of sets the stage. Johnny Lawrence, down on his luck guy, Past 30 years, basically been drunk since he lost the tournament. Uh, deadbeat dad, but a guy who you could tell wants to do the right thing. And he meets this kid, Miguel. He sees Miguel getting bullied. Also has the specter of Daniel LaRusso doing very well, very successfully. And he's inspired to help this kid, Miguel, and he reforms Cobra Kai. And in the first season, we see all the kids who are being picked on go to Cobra Kai and Johnny's teaching them strike first, strike hard, no mercy. And then unfortunately, you know, we'll, we can get into the, um, the particulars of this in a minute, but at the end of the season and Bobby, I don't know how you felt to go. Of course, culminates, culminates in the tournament and, and Johnny starts to see how the lessons he was taught by John Kreese really lead people down a wrong path and you know i'm i'm gonna start with my feelings on this i loved the first season i was blown away with it the heart of the show is the johnny and miguel relationship and then you have the johnny and daniel Larusso relationship which some of the best scenes of the show are between johnny and daniel and then in the the last episode to see how 
Johnny's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do right by his students, but he sees how the Cobra Kai mentality kind of corrupts his students. And it was really kind of heartbreaking for me to see through Johnny's eyes how they're doing the things that they did when he was in high school that he regrets. And he sees that, oh, no, I kind of became like Crisamaya in their eyes. Yeah, because that first, first season, Miguel went from the sweet kid, like, like mm -hmm. his mother says a few times, went from a sweet kid to almost like a, a almost a dick at the end. Yeah. Like at the end of the first season, mm -hmm. you know, going into the second season. And the one thing they did well is like, you understand Miguel's motivations for why he kind of became that way. You know, the relationship with Daniel Russo's daughter, Samantha, who's also great on the show. I loved their relationship too. how that kind of subsides a little bit. And then you bring in Johnny's kid in Robbie Keane, who I don't know about you. I've seen that actor on other things. I never liked that guy. I never wanted to like that guy. Um, where they ended him up in the third season, I am perfectly fine with it because I think that dude sucks. Yeah, he was the, never, oh, the last thing I remember him being in was uh, a designated survivor with uh, Keith Sutherland. Sutherland. He was the son of the president. Did not like him in that. Did not like him in that. I, I got to be honest. I, I think he has some very over-exaggerated facial expressions that makes him look like a cartoon character. And I just do not like that guy. I feel like he is he trying. Mad, he gets mad. He gets that like, yeah. oh, I just like want to slap him. You know? And I feel like he's trying to be an actor. It's like, okay, you're trying to do things you've seen other people do. Just act. Don't try. So there's that. But, you know, I've talked enough about the first season. Give me your impressions. First season. You see it for the first time. Now, did you see it on YouTube or did you uh, not to get to see it till uh, it went to Netflix? No, actually, one of my uh, DJ buddies that where, where I work at, um, he actually put both seasons when they came out onto a flash drive for me. Gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. watched them that way. Yeah, very and nice. I kind of spread them out to a few friends as well back then. So I, I, And it was funny because I think season one, Kind of, kind of starts with the premise that I, I, I guess has been growing for years. Um, there's been this hidden premise that Daniel Larusso was the bully. Yes, party kid. Yes, and you know he he got in the way of Ali and mm -hmm. you know, Johnny Lawrence, and you know we all saw him. I guess we all grew up as kids seeing the one side. But I guess as people got older. We visited the franchise and especially the, uh, uh, the first movie. I say, you know what? This kid coming out of nowhere. He's trying to impress the girl and he's getting in the way of, uh, and he, 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 he earned the, the as bitty he got a few times in the beginning. Mm -hmm. If I could just um, put it in here, there was a YouTube video, I think about 2014, 2015, that went into that whole theory was Daniel LaRusso actually the villain? And the writers, kind of came up with the premise from that. And if you remember in the first season, when um, Johnny is talking to Miguel, the version of his side of the events is very much inspired by that YouTube video you're talking about there. Yes. yes. So absolutely. And you know what? Also, uh, season one, right from the start, I mean, look, you know, we, we look, listen, we're 80, I'm an 80s guy. I'm an 80s person. I mean, my, I, I remember watching MTV from day one in 1980 when it came out on August, August 1st, I think it was. Um, 80s music, like right from the start, just brings you in. Mm -hmm. I, I saw the first episode of uh, season one and he, you know, it just brought you right in to, yeah. uh, 
you know, he still had the old eighties car, you know, the, the old yeah. uh, Firebird, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, I I mean, I was born in eighty three, so you definitely have that above me. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, keep going, man. No, so I thought season one was uh, a great story, uh, you know, a continuation of the franchise. No, really, a continuation of of one of uh, Karate Kid one, mm -hmm. and you know, it brought in the characters, it brought in you know, the whole bullying aspect, and yep, you know, you know. And it was funny because uh, we're gonna jump to season three, obviously. But that that one that one Asian kid it really is an asshole, right? And then all of a sudden now he's part. You know, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, you're talking about Kyler. 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 Yeah. yeah, I know he. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and that perfect that, setup. Perfect setup. Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of my favorite parts of the first season was the episode where Miguel confronts all the bullies in the school after uh, Samantha was pissed at the kid Kyler for spreading rumors about her. He confronts him in the cafeteria and it's the big fight scene where he takes everything he learned and beats the shit out of all four of the bullies. That was best. And not to jump ahead, but just to jump off your point there. That was the thing I that was one of the things I really liked about the third season, how in the first season you get introduced to these kids. You see who the nerds are, for lack of a better word, and who the bullies are. Then by the end of the season, the nerds and the outcasts, they get all the confidence. And in the second season, they kind of become the bullies. And then the third season, some of them realize what's going on. And then you reintroduce the bullies from the first season. And then particularly in the case of Hawk, the dude who was picked on the whole time became the bully. And now he sees the guys who used to torment him and he has to look at himself in the mirror and go, what am I becoming? I'm becoming the guys who used to screw with me. And I thought that was very well done. Hawk is, is by far my favorite character in the, whole, in the whole show. Well, I'll tell you this. I never wanted to hate the guy. I never wanted to hate the guy because I understood where he was coming from. Um, he went very over the top in the second season. Um, but because you kind of got invested in him in that first season, when he made the turn, you, you didn't, I, at least I did not want to see him make that turn to become the bully. But I'll say this, the kid Dimitri, he's the kid who you could tell the the producers and the writers they want you to like this kid i could not like this kid in the second season because it's just like dude shut the fuck up uh, you're supposed and whining and crying and, and he oh. and not only that very unaccepting of hawk and like you think hawk is becoming an asshole yet you're becoming an asshole to him and ridiculing him for the change he's making that's like He's going on this little personal discovery thing. You're his friend. You should support him. You shouldn't be trying to crap all over it and then get mad at him for him getting mad at you for not really accepting what he's going through on that. And it's like, also, Dimitri just needed to shut his mouth a few times, if I'm being honest here. Like the first time, and we'll, this is in season two, when he shows up at the dojo and sees Crease, and he's saying, I have some requirements for coming back, and then Crease punches him in the mouth. In that moment, I was I was with Crease. I was with Crease on that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they they another do. Character I like real quick. Another character. Go I ahead. Like go ahead. Um. Um. Uh, I, have, I have a list of characters in front of me. Um. She was the other nerdy girl who did not appear in season three. Oh, uh, Aisha. 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 Yes. 
Now, she was she was fantastic. She was fantastic. I would have loved to have seen yeah. her reaction to what what happened in season three. Now there's there's a YouTube video where someone is trying to explain why she didn't come back, and I hope she's back in season four somehow. But we'll see. But I, think, I, I, did. I think it was I think it was very important to see um, a female character get bullied and find the inner strength to uh, fight back as well. Sure, absolutely, and that and that was another one great part in season one where she gives the blonde chick who had tormented her the front right wedgie. Everybody was cheering for Aisha at that point, but I, I know everybody's trying to find this grand conspiracy why Aisha wasn't in this third season. I just think it really was as simple as you know. You look at the third season, and we'll talk about the third season. What more would she have added to that? Like, as good of a character as it was, you know, they went in a lot of different directions this season, and there was a lot of different uh, things, a lot of different storylines they had to go to. I think it was just a case where you don't want to bring a character who we like in the show if you're just going to sideline her for most of the season. And I do yeah, think she'll right. be That's what I said originally was that they didn't, they didn't really find a story right. arc season right. Two. And I believe those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bobby, you video froze a little bit there. Um, but to go on, yeah, to go on here a little bit, um, I don't know if that's anything I can do. But uh, I don't, there you go. You're back. Um, to go on to season two. So we start season two. It's after the tournament and everything. And we introduce, of course, John Kreese came back at the end of the first season says to Johnny, I've changed. I want another shot. Johnny, you know, he he's looking for the second chance, so he believes Crease and everything. And they had some good moments between the two of them in there and everything. And you see the continuation of the kids' storyline. Daniel now opens Miyagi Dojo. So you see Samantha. And I, I like Samantha. I like, except for, except for Daniel LaRusso's son, I like his whole family. I like his wife. I like his daughter. The son I can do without. I'm happy. He only seems to be in two scenes a season. I'm fine with that. Um, I like the cousin who works for him. Yeah, yeah. They brought him back. They brought him back this season. I, I liked him in this season. I didn't dislike him in the first season, but I was fine with him not being in, in the second season. He was good in this season, though. And I'm yeah. glad that they didn't just keep him going the way he was in the first season. I'm glad they made him kind of get his shit together for this season. I thought it worked a lot better, truthfully. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how the second season goes. And we keep going. We bring back the old Cobra Kai kids now grown up. Johnny has a day out with them. The one guy, Tommy, is uh, on his deathbed, unfortunately, with cancer. So him, Tommy, Bobby, and I, I can't remember the other guy's name. They have a day out and everything. And unfortunately, Tommy dies on the camping trip. And they put him in a body bag, just like the line he said from the first movie. And unfortunately, Rob Garrison, that actor, died a few months later from liver and kidney problems, which was sad. But he was, he was very good on that show. And that was a very good scene. And we know how the second season culminated. And Bobby, I don't know about you, but I know, like my mother, I kind of got her into Cobra Kai the same way you got into Cobra Kai. I put the episodes on a flash drive for her. And it took her a while to see the second season. And the only thing I would tell her, and the only thing I would tell anybody else about the second season is the second season is very good, 
when you get to that final episode, batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. And then my mother watched it and she said, yes, that was a perfect description. And we also have to bring in the new character from the second season, the girl Tori, who joined the Cobra Kai dojo. And I liked Tori in the second season. I thought you kind of understood where she was coming from. And the whole season sets up for the confrontation between Tori and Samantha. Samantha is the rich kid who I like Samantha been given everything in life. And then you have Tori, the girl from the other side of the tracks. Uh, the Samantha and Robbie relationship goes on. Miguel grows closer to Tori. Hawk's storyline continues. As we said, we see the rift between Hawk and Dimitri forming there. Dimitri goes off to Miyagi-Do. He finally shuts up long enough to learn some karate moves. And before we get into the second season finale, just any thoughts you want to add on the second season? Anything I may have missed? I think, it's, like I said, I think it like, summed it off perfectly. I think the second season, again, with the uh, original Cobra Kai, now the only person who's missing is Dutch. And, and for some reason, Dutch did not want to get involved with the uh, the series. And you know what I didn't know about Dutch until this? Dutch is played by the son of Steve McQueen. McQueen. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, and I thought they explained it beautifully that he was in Lompoc for five to ten years. That made me laugh. So the door is always open for him to come back. I get oh, yeah. I. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's that. Go right ahead, man. No, I, mean, I like the I like the whole the whole, um, uh, especially at the end of season one, season two, where he had the he had the badass car, you know, mm -hmm. he went from broke. Now he's making no, Johnny Lawrence making something of himself. He's getting more confidence, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he's he, you see the flirtation with uh, Miguel's mom starting to happen. He has you know he has the the the, uh, the Dodge now with all with the matte colors and the Cobra Kai colors mixed in, and mm -hmm. he started to feel good about himself. And yeah, like, like you said from the beginning, this whole uh, revamping of of the movies is basically the redemption of Johnny Lawrence, right? Who had who mm -hmm. really was just kicked around as a as a bully and an asshole in, in the movies. Yeah, and I, and, and I love ahead. no matter what season you're in and what season you're watching. Excuse me, I love how they how they flashback. I love it. Oh, the flashbacks are perfect in this show. Yes, yes. Go right ahead. And uh, no, just 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 uh, season two. Like I said, the the build up, and you know, I, I guess we're the lucky ones. If you were the ones like like you and I who watched it when it was on YouTube Red, wherever that thing, uh, YouTube Premium, whatever, you know, we did not see that coming in the end of season two. Not at all. I think by the time it, it, it hit Netflix, and X amount of people have already already watched it like you and I, you know, I, I think that cat was sort of out of the bag a little bit. So well, I know I didn't tell anybody, anybody. I, mean, like, just, I think people, yeah, just, I think people talk about how wow that last episode was. Yeah. It's kind of hard to like hold back and say, oh, wow. You know, and getting now starting getting back into you know, season three. You know, now let me ask you a quick question before we go into season three. Sure. Did Miguel get healed too quickly, or is that just a is that the Hollywoodization of? Well, let me let me say let me say that to kind of put a bow on season two right here, because there's there's a couple other things I wanted to say about season two, and uh, then we can go on to season three. That's a good question, though. I did think that myself. Um, the one thing I didn't again, it's not when I when I say criticisms about the show, they're very minute criticisms. 
what, to me, the best part of season one and the heart of the show is the Miguel and Danny relationship. And if I didn't like anything about season two, I felt like because you're focusing on the other characters, you're bringing in John Kreese, you're bringing in the new girl tour, you're focusing on Robbie, you're focusing on the kids. You go away from what the heart of the show is, and that's Miguel and Danny. And if, like I said, if there was any criticism I had, I felt like we didn't get that enough in season two. But right before the season finale, we got the second scene involving Danny and Johnny on the screen at the same time. And this time you bring Miguel's mother into it, who, you know, was starting a little romance with Johnny there. You bring Daniel's wife into it. And Daniel's wife is great because she tends to be the only one who can tell Daniel, God, do you ever hear yourself and realize what's going on here? If anyone's going to tell him he's full of shit and he's going to listen to it, it's going to be from her. And that's what you love about it. So you had this great scene where um, Johnny says, you know, I thought, I could bring Crease in, and I thought he was going to be different. He's not going to be a part of it. At the end of it, they shake hands. You think maybe they can finally be friends and put everything aside. And then you have the party. And the episode nine um, opening with the montage where they're setting up the stage for the big confrontation between Samantha and Tori was phenomenally done. That's one of my, fa that's one of my favorite scenes from the show was that opening montage. I thought that was great. And then you get the party where Samantha gets drunk and kisses Miguel with Tori watching. Uh, Robbie tries to do the right thing by Samantha. Uh, Samantha doesn't want to go home. She doesn't want to get in trouble with her dad. She goes to Johnny. We open up season 10 with Daniel being the hothead. We know he is storming in on Johnny, automatically assuming the worst of Johnny because Daniel never wants to give Johnny the benefit of the doubt. One of my problems with daniel I'll never consider him the villain but he never wants to believe that johnny's capable of good he always wants to think that johnny he always wants to think the worst of him so they have the little fight um daniel practically disowns robbie after taking him into his home and then we get to the school and then we get the batshit crazy brawl at the school which one thing mike one thing another high sure. order mark of season two which i absolutely loved was how the quote-unquote nerds, so to speak, took sure. over the party. Yes. Started changing a little bit. You know, Hawk hooking up with uh, Moon, I think her name is. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that that middle of it, season two, I think it was another high-water mark where you started seeing, you know, the not-cool kids becoming cool. And, uh, of course, not, not, to, not to spoil it just yet, the ultimate revenge uh happens what at the end of season three but we'll get we'll get into that in a few moments with um dimitri <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and then we get the brawl we get the brawl at the school we get everybody fighting we get dimitri i, I don't know if this is what you're referring to uh dimitri getting the kick in on hawk or you no, no, talking I mean, about something um towards the end of season three all right, I'm probably going to remember what you're talking about when you say it, so yeah. we can keep going then. But yeah, no, we get the whole fight and everything, and of course, Miguel shows mercy. The, and I said they went away a little bit from the scenes with Miguel and Johnny. The couple scenes they did have together where Johnny was trying to tell Miguel, I didn't show mercy to people. I paid the price for it. I want you to be better than that. Miguel remembers these lessons, and unfortunately... Robbie kicks him off with the balcony. 
which again, you said it perfectly before. Nobody saw that coming when that happened. So when that when that happened, you, you, it hit you extremely hard because the brawl is one thing. The brawl is just one thing. I'm watching this thing the first time. I'm just like, oh my fucking God, I cannot believe what I'm watching right now. And then that's how they ended with him going over the balcony. And my mind was blown for a good five or 10 minutes after that. Mike, real quick, what was what was a better? Oh, my God. Moment. Um, Miguel falling over the balcony and, and hitting the uh, stairwell there mm. or another spoiler here. Go ahead. Luke Skywalker coming at the end of Mandalorian. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Well, well say, I mean, maybe I'm not as big a stars person as I, as I think I am because I do love the series. Mm. I thought that I thought that person doing all the stuff was was the the female Jedi from a few. Episodes. You know, I'm glad you said that because I almost thought the same thing myself when it happened. But here's what I think the difference is. I think the reason why I'm going to say Miguel going over the balcony is all right. Cobra Kai came out on YouTube premium. That second season came out on YouTube premium. And there was not as much hype around that show as there was the Mandalorian. And also because it was YouTube and then it was Netflix. As we said earlier, you get all the episodes right in a row on the same day, as opposed to wait in the week with the Mandalorian. There were already think pieces and rumor pieces out there that, Skywalker was going to show up in that final episode. Now, I didn't read them, but I saw that that's where the thought was. So as much as, yeah, it was still a shock to see that they actually did that. The Miguel moment again, because you get all the episodes right at once. And like I said, there was no hype around the show. There's no think pieces or anything like that. Like there is a Star Wars to be able to go into a show like Cobra Kai as blind as you were going in. Those first two seasons, I think that made the shock that much more impactful. Okay. Yeah. And plus, well, Forrest has its own built-in timeline that's kind of out there, especially if you're really mm -hmm. in the universe. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to pick it apart and you really want to delve into it, I'm sure there were people who was just like, oh, yeah, no surprise. This Luke Skywalker. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. You got the green lightsaber. That's him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. At first, I was like you. I thought it was Ahsoka Tano. And then you see the green lightsaber, and I start looking at the hands. Does he not have a hand? Does he have a bionic hand? Because at that point, I'm just like, maybe this is Luke. I, show me the hands. Show me the hands. And then you see the hand. It's just like, oh, okay. I get who this is. All right. Yeah. yeah. So we go into the third season. Miguel is in a coma. The town is in an uproar out of this. And I like the fact that they made that brawl actually have some consequences. The scene at the beginning of the season where they're having um, the PTA meeting or whatever it is where all the parents are there. And you actually heard that, that um, theory that you were talking about before from one of the, uh, the onlookers in the crowd where Daniel stands up. I was bullied in high school when I went to school here and karate saved my life. I heard you were the bully. You heard that, right? That was awesome, yeah. Man. That was awesome. Yeah. To go to, and I'll answer your question now. Did I think they waited, uh, they, they made Miguel too, heal too quickly? I want to say no, because they did wait about three episodes for him to wake up. I think he wakes up at the tail end of episode two, and he doesn't get everything back until like episode six. And even when he does start to walk, 
you know, he couldn't kick with the same power or anything until the end of the season. Is that enough time in real life? Would you be paralyzed a lot longer than that? Yeah, right. But I mean, I feel like for television, other shows probably would have just breezed by that. And when given it the time, you still saw him put the work into his recovery and all that. And it's not, you know, and plus he's a very well in shape karate champion whose body it was made to heal that quickly. Also, 17 years old, too. That, that was me. I'm done. But if I, you know, oh, yeah. Old, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not getting up from that. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. Absolutely. So there's all there, there's all that, you know. Um, but what I loved about those scenes was it brought it back to the Johnny and Miguel relationship and the fact that Johnny, you saw how crushed he was at the end of that second season. The mother says he doesn't want anything to do with him anymore and he doesn't even fight it. You just see him nod his head and it's just like, yeah, I get why that reaction is coming. I get that because he blames himself for everything. And to see the spiral that Johnny went into because Johnny helped Miguel, but Miguel helped Johnny really find himself. Mm-hmm. So to see that depression and everything. And then and I'm, I'm going to try not to jump ahead too much here. I don't know how you felt about it. If there was anything I didn't like about this season, it's that there were two things I was looking forward to in this season that I wanted to see out of this season. And I got them, but I didn't get them until the ninth episode and 10 seconds left in the final episode. And I, well, I don't know if we want to go too far ahead, but if you, if you think about it, you can figure you, you can, you can tell what I'm saying. The ninth episode and 10 seconds left into the 10th episode, we got a little bit of a tease of the Johnny and Daniel team up in the early goings, but we didn't really get that until the latter stages of the final episode. So that's, that's one thing I'll give away right there. They started, they started getting a little bit of a, um, teamship thing before the brawl in the school well yeah no like i said when we were talking yeah when we were talking about the ninth episode you saw them shake hands and the possibility that you know they could finally bury the hatchet daniel doesn't want to give johnny the benefit of doubt so that's out the window in the next episode and then they got to team up to find robbie in the um first and second episode of the third season so you got a little bit of a tease there on that um you still see the rift between the Cobra Kai dojo, which is now under the control of John Kreese after Kreese takes over Cobra Kai and kicks Johnny out. And Miyagi, though, as much as uh, Daniel doesn't want any part of it now, Samantha is suffering PTSD from the brawl, and Cobra Kai is still an issue for the Miyagi Do kids. So she kind of takes the leadership role to work with the Miyagi-Do kids so they can defend themselves. Go ahead. Hold on one thing. Hold on one second, Mike. I'm, I'm going to say this before. I, I, you had made a good point right there. Mm. I think you mentioned before how D- Daniel could never see the good in Johnny. Right. I think that's his PTSD from getting his butt kicked in high school. Oh, sure. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I Absolutely. I, I hear that it'll, entirely. It'll, it'll take um, a, a, a power of two, half of which you already mentioned, and the other half we'll mention in a few moments. Mm. together that just so you know that's the thing that we waited uh until the ninth episode to say that's the thing um so we have all this going on daniel the miyagi do name is now in tatters so he's 
He's in danger of losing his dealership to Tom Cole. That guy was a prick anyway. So you got the um, the scene where he gives him the finger and says, I'm not selling my business. So Daniel has to go to Japan, strikes out with the Doyona international people, and he's trying to recenter himself. So he goes to Okinawa. And I don't know if you saw it. Everybody knew they were going to Okinawa this season. Everybody knew that was happening for a couple episodes, at least if you follow the articles that were out there on it. Um, the way they send him to Okinawa did not feel shoehorned at all. I love the way they did it. He goes to Okinawa. He meets up with Kumiko, his love interest from the second movie, and then she invites Chosen over, <laughs> the bad guy from the second movie. And I didn't really know how they were going to do Chosen in this. And I don't know about you. It was the beginning of the sixth episode. Chosen comes in and he is total stone face. You want to drink? I don't drink. Had me dying on that because he was very funny. And then they take some to the um, his Miyagi dojo. And he says when um, his uncle Sato from the um, from the second movie, when he died, he he gave him all the Miyagi-Do artifacts and everything, and he shows Daniel the secret Miyagi-Do pressure points. And I don't know about you. I thought the scenes with Chosen and, uh, John, and Daniel were fantastic, and I thought Chosen's role in this was perfect. Yeah, because he, he, has, to, he has to, I guess, part of their culture, show that immense respect to Daniel for... Beating mm -hmm. him, but not killing him, and in a fight to death. Yes, back in Okinawa. So while he doesn't like the guy, forever happened back then. He's almost forced to have that respect for him, and it, it kind of turns towards the end to a little bit of a liking. Well, I I read that a little bit differently than you. I'm going to be honest because if you listen to what Chosen said, he felt great shame after it, but his uncle showed him the compassion. And gave him the chance to redeem himself. And I feel like because he did that, and part of what you were saying, like the honor and everything. And also, it's all Miyagi-Do anyway. So at the end of the day, you know, Daniel was taught by uh, Miyagi, who we haven't even mentioned. They've done a great job of keeping Pat Morita's spirit that he brought to that role of keeping that alive. They, of course, dedicated one episode in episode uh, in season one to him. You've seen numerous flashbacks to um, to Pat Morita and everything. The fact that he's been dead for 15 years, but he, his presence is still very much a part of this show. I love that. And I think it's fantastic. Exactly. And, yep. And um, so because it's Miyagi, though, and Chosen was trained by Sato, who was trained by Miyagi's father. They still have the essence of what Daniel was taught in them. I think because Sato had the hatred for Miyagi, which was born out of Miyagi declaring his love for the woman that Sato loved, I think that kind of veered Sato off a little bit. But once Sato and Miyagi made their peace and you saw the change in Sato at the end of the second movie, I feel like what they said... Sato's change continued, so he showed the compassion to his nephew, and I think that kind of opened his eyes to the idea of, you know, I was in the wrong here for what I did towards Daniel, and I think that I, to me, that's that's what I got out of the end of that episode. Well, just just uh, just a um, how do you how do you want to say it, it was just the kind of episode needed to to bring. 
Daniel back to himself a little bit and mm. kind of set the tone for what's going to happen now with the rest of the of, of the series. Now, we'll, we'll get into this, obviously, but before we get into the final few episodes and, and, and the enormity of it, of, the, of them, do you see a season, do you see anything past season four? Or do you see that being the end? Um, well, I, I heard that the creators want to go six seasons. I've heard that. I six? I think, I, yeah, the, the creators want to go six seasons. I think you might be able to get five seasons out of this. I would watch a sixth season. I just think, because we know who's going to come back next season. And obviously, we'll talk about that at the end uh, when we get to the finale and everything. We talk about the flashbacks that they did to Kreese's early goings in his life and his experience in Vietnam and everything. So you know who they're going to bring back next season. You know who they could bring back in the future is Hillary Swank from the next Karate Kid, which hasn't been hinted at at all. But you know she's she's in this universe because the creators have said that they're honoring all the Karate Kid movies. So it's always a possibility so they bring her. Five, maybe that's five and six. It could be five and six. I think you could definitely get five seasons out of this. I think six might be yeah, a stretch. You know, what, though. I, you know what? Until you mentioned that, I, I totally have forgotten that she was technically Karate Kid 4. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think most people forget about that movie because it wasn't a very good movie. It wasn't a very good movie. That's why they didn't do anything with the franchise for almost 15 years after. It wasn't a very good movie. She was good in it. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I watched that movie one time and I don't really remember a lot of it. You know, uh, Walton Goggins was in that movie, apparently. Walton Goggins from uh, the she uh, from S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. and um, Justified. He was Boyd Crowder in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, the next Karate Kid was one of his early movies. So, but that's about all I remember from that movie, if I'm being honest. By the way, another, another supremely under-remembered under show is The Shield. I was telling somebody about that last year during, no, during the quarantine when people were asking for a series to watch. I'm like, go watch The Shield. It, one, it, of my one of my favorite up, shows. so underrated and forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is great. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it'd be very. I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would put it. I put it in my top three between Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and The Shield. See, that's I can never. I can never put Sopranos in my top three because that's how disappointed I was. Not just in the finale, but the final season. Sopranos is probably bottom of my top ten, but The Wire is number one for me. Uh, Shield is up there. Oz is up there for me. Rome is up there for me. Um, Rescue Me is up there for me, and there's probably at least one more that I'm leaving out. But Wire has become my favorite show of all time, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is definitely in there, too. One of the greatest final seasons you will ever see in your life. But I, I So what, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and S.H.I.E.L.D., th those were your three? And then, uh, right, right now, off, off mm. the top of my head, I can just think sure. about it. Sure. I'm watching something now real quick, a little sidebar. Um, do, you have, do you have HBO Max? Yes, I do. Watch Gamora. Gamora. Yes. Hmm. Okay. I have Gamora not heard. It was a Italian language movie. It came out about eight years ago. Very highly. Rated. Oh, it's a movie. Okay. No, no, it was a movie, and then some producers in Italy turned it into a series. Oh, okay. And then okay. H Netflix has it, and now HBO Max has it with with English um, subtitles. So they're talking in English. 
Gotcha, gotcha, so, gotcha. But it's uh, there's two se- there's two seasons missing, and they're making a fifth season. But if you like gritty, like crime mafia type stuff, where uh, we can follow a storyline of uh, of mm. how things go, it is fantastic. Well, I'll, t- I'll I'll give you a good one. I don't know if you've seen or heard of this one. This is a BBC show that comes on Netflix. Peaky Blinders. You know, Peaky Blinders. Oh. Peaky Blinders is fantastic. A lot of big name actors in that show. Killian Murphy is the lead guy. Um, there's appearances by Tom Hardy. Um, Adrian Brody makes an appearance on there. Uh, Sam O'Neill is in the first two seasons. It's another one of those crime like shows. It's kind of like I it's been compared to Sopranos in the early 1900s because it takes place in like the 1920s and they keep going out. I think this past season was actually set in 1929, the year of the Great Depression, because it revolves around the Great Depression this past season that was on. Um, Fantastic show, though. And it's very easy to watch. It's not short episodes like this, but there's only about six episodes a season. Okay. Yeah, and it's on Netflix, so you can definitely check that out. Before we go back to um, Cobra Kai, of course, I'm sure you're watching. You're a a Mets fan. I'm sure you're watching Billions, right? That's your guy, right? You yeah, know, uh, that is that is my guy from everything I've heard. Uh, I've never caught on to billions. I'm not a big Showtime guy. I don't have Showtime at the moment. So, no, I have I've not caught on to billions. But yes, uh, if you believe uh, everything you've heard, yes, that that is my guy. Yes, and I know. I, I watched, again, during the quarantine, I watched billions and it stopped because of the of the COVID situation. I'm you know, right in the middle of a season. And then mm-hmm. I also loved the. Uh, I think there's two seasons of Succession on HBO, which is very good as well. I've heard great things about that show. I just haven't watched it. There's a lot of right, shows let's get, I have. Let's get to the uh, big. Well, yeah. I want to. I want to uh, I go. You, I, a watch little... mo- I watch most of my shows. You know, I got a beautiful. You there, Bobby? Yeah, we're getting, yeah, we're getting a little uh, pixelated. Oh, okay. I think we're okay. I have a brand new 45, 6 inch TV here, you know, smart TV in my studio. I, I watch 95% of my TV on my iPad when I'm doing work on my, on my laptop. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I'm like, <laughs> I do everything on my laptop. So that's, that's a problem I'm running into recently. But anyway, uh, so we, we left off at the sixth season. Uh, we do have to make mention of the fact that the beautiful thing that I never saw coming when they were in Okinawa was the woman who saves Daniel's business was the woman who he saved from a typhoon when she was a kid in Karate Kid 2, and apparently it was the same actress. So I loved the fact that they did that. I thought that was fantastically done. Um, so then we get back. As a, Daniel- as, as a guy, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a whole different world, with your beautiful ex-girlfriend who you didn't really probably do much with, mm. take a chance? Uh, for the purposes <laughs> of television in an idealized world, I will say no. But yes, in real life, they probably some, especially when she says that she never remarried because nobody else fought to the death for me. I don't think there's any guy who would have passed up that opportunity. <laughs> I, in real life... He's like, oh, really now? Really now? Okay. No one talk about it. It's just something you have in the back of your mind that is part of your life that, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And yeah. I, what a, what a you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't take these 
producers enough and executive producers for just again bringing these characters back and not even not even like lookalikes to the original people yes yes and that'll that'll bring us back in so daniel comes home the karate uh the cobra kai and the miyagi do dojos have been fighting throughout the season hawk breaks dimitri's arm but you immediately see hawk feel the regret for it then you bring the old bullies from the first season back into it as we said before and hawk starts seeing wow i'm on the side of the people who used to torment me and you kind of start, see him start wondering if he's on the right side. The scene where he beat the shit out of that big bully from the first season. I was with him on that one entirely. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I, I, no. I mean, I mean the uh, Kyler kid, he, he, he's cocky, but he, he kind of has a reason to be. He, you know, good-looking kid and whatnot. Sure. A big fat kid, you know, just a big black. Oh, I'm with. Okay. I, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I can see your point. Like, what are you, like, honestly, if you were in high school when I was in high school, you would have been called the fat kid. Yeah. But he's way too cool and way too, like, arrogant and cocky to be like, you know, that, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So he gets put down to size and everything. And then we kind of head into the ninth episode, which is another, another important thing of that little scene there. Was the, the the other chubby kid from from Cobra Kai, who's oh yeah, yeah yeah who loses and then gets told to leave? Yeah, he gets told to leave. That kind of like that of- was that. To, I I think the the point you're going with is you see Crease getting rid of a lot of the nerds who originally made up Cobra Kai to kind of bring in the people who are more what he wants, which is the bully type guys. He wants the bully type guys. He says the athletic ones, but in reality, he wants the big bullies who, who can fight and everything. He doesn't want reclamation projects, which is what Johnny was going for. That's the only area where I could see Aisha being a difference because she was all right, she's a little nerdy or whatnot, but her, her dad was like, what, an all Hall of Fame football player? Linebacker. Yeah, that sounds right. I think you're right on that. And yeah. that, that you know that kind of you know that kind of panache, whether you're a nerdy girl or not. I mean, if you're if you're if you're like a, a football fan, that's fine. That's fine. None of these these karate heads are not like no one ever went gaga over the fact that her dad was a Hall of Fame football player. You and I would. Well, and yeah, the- and I think Crease would have too. But I also think Aisha would not have stayed under John Crease's Cobra Kai. I don't think so. I think no, no, I no, think. No, she- Definitely would have. Yeah, I don't think she would have bought into that at all. I think maybe. I think maybe if she was involved in season three, her her breaking point would have been uh, Dimitri's broken arm. I think. If that, if that, but yeah, no. If she had stayed to that point, she would have been gone at that point. But the one thing we have to bring up here before we get into episode nine, you see Miguel and Sam begin to reconnect. There is. the town decides they want to disband the All-Valley Tournament. Originally, Johnny and Daniel go down there to fight for the All-Valley Tournament. And when the three um, rival dojos start fighting with each other, the committee is going to give the, uh, the tournament the axe. Then Miguel and Sam are the ones who stand up, fight for the tournament. I thought what they said was very poignant. Instead of acting like you can get rid of bullying or that you bury in your you bury your heads in the sand and act like it doesn't exist, you give people a chance to fight back. You make it controlled and you make it safe for them. 
And I thought that was perfectly said by Samantha on that one. So I love the fact that they I love the fact that they address that because we live in a world where everybody thinks you can just get rid of shit like this by hugging stuff or, you know, like uh, like the counselor was doing being reactive. So you only see who's reacting to the bullying, bullying, and you don't actually do anything about the actual bullying. You don't you you you're like the uh, the cops in uh, most stereotypes. You, you're two seconds late to every party. And another thing also is uh, a little sidebar. Half the stuff any of these kids did, and not one arrest. <laughs> yeah, and the only one who even gets a restraining order is Daniel's wife for smacking Crease. <laughs> That's the only time the cops get involved, and the only reason they got involved in handing her the restraining order is because they went to the station without knowing it. Yeah, that's the only time the cops get involved. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, but then we get to episode nine, and who comes back? We all thought she was going to be back because at the end of the, uh, the second season, the cliffhanger is Johnny had inadvertently sent a friend request or had texted hi to Allie Mills from the first movie played by Elizabeth Shue. He throws his phone away when he's depressed about Miguel being in a coma. And we see the friend request accepted by Allie. I thought that if she was going to be in the season, she would have been the doctor brought in to save Miguel, or she would have been the voiceover voice when Johnny is reading the message he got back from Allie. When that voiceover came in my head, I was just like, oh, I guess she's not going to be in this season. Nope. They get it right out of the way at the beginning of the ninth episode. Allie Mills, played by Elizabeth Shue, is back. And I thought she was perfect. And, you want to, and, and, go ahead. and the build up to that moment also is the fact that you know um Johnny has the, the fantastic date and finally sleeps with Miguel's mm -hmm. mother and they, they're they're forming a relationship there a little bit, right? Yeah, and then re the reconnecting with Alan, I'm like, don't do it. Yeah, I'm like, don't do it, mm -hmm. do it, don't do it, don't kiss her because you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna screw it up again, don't do it. And I'll I'll tell you this to go off they that point. Did. He almost did, but I liked the fact that she was more brought in for closure than she was to rekindle a romance. Because originally, I thought I would want to see them reconnect in a romance, but the fact that she just for, came for in. For closure and bring the two guys together. Yes, and for that, she was perfect in it. She was absolutely perfect. And my mother said this to me, and I agree with her. Everybody on the show is a really good actor, but you could tell that Elizabeth Shue is the best actor on the show. You could tell that, in my opinion. I thought she was the, I thought she was the best for what her role was. She was perfect for it. But I, I want your opinion on this because, you know, I, this was one of the things I didn't like that I thought that they waited too long to bring her in because that was one of the things I wanted to see. When you got her, it was perfect. There are a couple tropes that this show does that I feel like they they've done a little too much of, and I feel like I, I don't want to see these things next season. The idea, okay, Miguel and Samantha reconnect. They're about to kiss. Who shows up but Robbie? They've done this five times in 30 episodes. That is a fairly significant percentage of episodes that you've done that on. And then you had the big brawl in the school. Now, the soccer fight between the two gangs was fine. You had the fight at the museum in like episode four, and then you have the big brawl in the finale. So you've had three knockdown drag out brawls 
in 11 episodes. When you do something too much, you numb your audience to it. And I feel like it fit for what they were doing in the season. You can't over rely on that stuff, though. And I, I feel like this show hasn't hit over reliance yet. I want to see them stop doing these things for next season so they don't over rely on them. What do you think about that? If any, yeah, if any, exactly. If anything, you know, you want to see maybe some more one on one battles, not mm. just every single fight is like five on five and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh gonna jump in who's gonna you know I'll, I'll be right there you know well i thought some i like that's why i thought when they were having the soccer game and they're throwing a little shots at them i thought that was perfect like you do little things where you see them nipping at each other throughout the season but then to go straight back into a brawl two episodes after that it's like all right it's overkill and every one of these fights these kids are out for blood like, this ain't a little, you know, high school skirmish. No, these kids are looking to kill somebody. <laughs> did, did we lose each other again? Bobby, you got me? I don't know if Bobby can hear me. Bobby, can you hear me? Yeah, it's, it's all choppy. I'm here. I'm here. All right. Um, well, all I said, and I don't know if you heard this, the kids are out for blood in every one of these fights. Like these are not like high school skirmishes. These kids are looking to kill each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to go on. It's funny how they're different sizes. <laughs> funny go ahead, how man. Different sizes of, of kids. <laughs> what do you mean? Hold on. Let, 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 I'm saying it's funny how it's different sizes of kids too. Yeah, the little, the little kids are fighting. Yeah, the yeah. Giant kids are fighting. Everybody in between. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is that is definitely true. I definitely see what you're talking about on that one. Um, but then we'll keep going, and you know, we get to episode nine, the episode where Johnny reconnects with Allie, and we see that. You good, Bobby? I'm back. Okay. Yep. Johnny reconnects with Allie. They go to golf and stuff, like you said. And while we have this going on, throughout the season, we've seen the flashbacks to John Kreese in Vietnam. And we've seen how this is built up. And this, of course, brings us to the final episode where you have the dinner that Allie, Johnny, Daniel, and his wife are at. You see them reconnecting. And Allie is the one who kind of puts them both in their place. You guys just love fighting with each other. You say one thing, you automatically say something else. You guys are more alike than you want to admit. You see something in each other that's the same as you, and you don't like what you see. And it was just perfectly said on that one. The final scene between Johnny and Allie, go find your future. Perfectly done. And like you, and like you said, the fact that they... They made it like that as opposed to him reconnecting or excuse me, rediscovering the romance was better served for the show in light of what was going on with Carmen. And then you have the scene with the kids where they realize that they need to get together and band together to take on Cobra Kai. The season ends with um, Johnny fighting Crease. Johnny beats Crease. Robbie is now with Crease. While Johnny is dealing with Robbie, Crease tries to kill him. Daniel comes in and brings in the Miyagi secret pressure points. And then the stage is, stage is set. The two dojos reconnect. And again, you wait 10 seconds 
10 seconds left in the season to give us what I wanted to see the whole season. That's the two dojos reconnecting and banding together with a great montage with Phil Collins in the air tonight playing. That was awesome. And that's, that's basically where we leave it for next season. And then the flashback to crease in Vietnam ends with the realization that the guy who Johnny saved was Terry silver, the bad guy from the third movie. Did you buy the fact that the guy with the ponytail was Terry silver? Did you buy that red herring? I thought the, I thought the guy with the ponytail was killed. Yeah, no, but that was like the big misdirect because he had the ponytail. They fooled fooled people into thinking that that was Terry Silver. When they called the other guy Twig, I was just like, well, Twig and Terry both start with a T. It's possible that's Terry Silver. So I was already already kind of leaning in that direction that that was him. But he says the thing, anything you need your whole life, I owe you. I'm with you. He makes the call to Terry Silver. And we know he's factoring into next season at some point. We know there's going to be another tournament. Fantastic season finale, though. No, exactly. And one thing I was alluding to before with Dimitri mm. is how he hooks up with the hot blonde girl. Oh, yeah. What, Which they've been doing with him for three to two and a half seasons, and yeah. then she's slowly turning. <laughs> I thought that was great the way they did that. I like that because she was another one of the bullies from the first season who they brought back in. And the fact that she had the front wedgie the last time we saw her, and then she comes back in totally different environment. Now she kind of sees what these guys are going through and they hook up. And that was a very funny scene because Miguel and Samantha just looking at each other. Did we really just see that? (laughs) It was perfect. It was perfect. Very well done. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we we, we come to the point where, you know, you and I, especially, you know, we huge fans of the show and we just got to, I guess it's human nature. We got to wait. We got to wait until God knows when. Well, I mean, I think they're aiming for December of this year to put out the next uh, to put out the next season with everything going on with the pandemic and everything and the protocols they're going to have to do when they film. I hope they're able to meet that, but who knows? And I'm sure you've heard this there. Like, I don't think that I don't think Cobra Kai is in danger of this. Netflix has already canceled a whole bunch of shows because the covid protocols that they have to put in are very expensive apparently and netflix doesn't really make a profit because of all the stuff they license like they spend more money than they get back in every year since they started doing this so you have to wonder how all that's going to play in but that was another reason why i wasn't crazy again i still love the show and everything i wasn't crazy i wasn't overly crazy about the fact that okay We've wanted to see these guys team up all season. We've wanted to see these dojos team up all season. You're giving it to us 10 seconds before the season ends, and we don't know when the show's coming back. I know. Yeah. You almost yeah. wish there was one more, one more episode. Just give us, give us what we all, what we all want, mm. one episode of them working together, then cut it, and then – Right. Absolutely. You don't even have to do the tournament in that, in that uh, extra episode. You just got to give us something to see them working together a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely on that. But I feel like I've taken up a lot of the time here. Do you, any other thoughts that anything I might have missed on any of these seasons here? No, I, I think we've uh, covered pretty much a lot of it. I think, um, 
you know, there's uh, it, it's a very, very um, leveled show in a way where there's a lot of layers to go through. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just a superficial, this is what's going on. There's a lot of deeper meanings and deeper relationships and a lot of it ties to the past. So I think it's, um, you know, that's not even including the whole nostalgia thing of, you know, if you're an 80s baby, this is like, you know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. like you're going back to your childhood. I think there's a lot of uh, current day themes that are in there that they're addressing while, um, you know, just creating this fantastic show. It almost makes you um, wonder a little bit, you know, if they can go back in time, if they can take a movie from the 80s and modernize it 30 years later, you know, what's possible next, which is mm-hmm. a whole, whole other episode that we could do about what who else could do the same have the same treatment of, you know, this whole reboot 30 years later and a continuation of, of life, so to speak. Well, I think you need very specific conditions. And I think the fact that the showrunners they chose to give this franchise to are guys who look at this property like you would look at a Star Wars. Like, this is their Star Wars. And if you're going to do something like this, you need to be able to entrust it to people who have a reverence and a respect for the franchise. And I think that's the difference between a show like this and let's bring in Star Wars, the sequel Star Wars movies. You've seen them. Do you think they had a plan for those movies, for all three movies? No, I think it was more of a... um Let's just figure out what what George uh, Lucas wanted to do and and create our own spin on it. I don't think it had any input whatsoever of what happened to those characters. Well, I think it. I think it was also a fact of you mentioned the nostalgia. I feel like the nostalgia in this show is handled correctly, where there's a good balance of nostalgia and fan service while not over relying on that stuff it's what the mandalorian does well where you know these things exist because you're in that universe you know you're going to have these things mandalorian doesn't necessarily need those things for it to be a good show though and i feel like someone could watch cobra kai who never watched the karate kid movies and still get enjoyment out of it you know we're like you said we're fans of karate kid so we one thing we missed uh, mike real quick is uh another beautifully uh, positioned scene was, you know, Miguel going to the rock concert, and then, uh, because you know, don't forget, he learned to love 80s rock through sure, and sure. Then- D. Snyder, D. Snyder giving people the power to walk since 1985. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was perfect, though. That was perfect, yeah, that was uh, again, and something that you didn't, you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by the uh, showrunners. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think I said this before. I love the fact that they kept Johnny involved in his uh, struggle to walk again and that he helped him do it. And that, that was that would those were some of my favorite scenes this season. And the fact that, you know, he's telling Miguel, don't give up. And, he, and Miguel goes, well, what about you? You gave up on your dojo. You helped all these kids. And then the second stuff got ru- rough, you ran away that they were able to have that sort of exchange. It, it was beautiful. Because these guys look at each other the same way. Johnny's helping Miguel. Miguel's helping Johnny. Go ahead. Something. Let's end on this. Something just just crept in my well, mind. Well, if you don't, if you don't mind, I just want to finish what I was saying before with the right, Star no. Wars thing. The the point I was oh, making yeah. about that, Star Wars 
yes, they did what they thought Lucas would would want, but I feel like it was an over-reliance on nostalgia and the member berries. Oh, everybody remembers this. Everybody remembers that. Let's just lean into this stuff. And then you give it to Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson does his own thing. And nothing connects. These guys had a plan from the beginning. They had a reverence for the franchise. And it's the difference between giving a franchise to someone who has a reverence for it and someone like Kathleen Kennedy, who looks at Star Wars as a dollar sign and doesn't necessarily have a reverence for the franchise that you would want someone like a Kevin Feige to have at Marvel. So that's all I wanted John, to throw John in. John Favreau, right? He's the, uh, he's the John Favreau is the Mandalorian guy, yes. Mm -hmm. yep. and one okay. thing I want to mention at the end, kind of have our own little cliffhanger here, Mike. And this just, just crept to my mind now. Okay. All right. There's the, there's the expectation of Terry Silver coming back. Yes. Season four. As we remember from Karate Kid 3, Terry Silver is enormously rich. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you could say that, well, you, we know Johnny's not rich. Uh, the, the LaRussos are somewhat rich. But let's, you know what? The only, the only way this works is if, I'm going to just come out and say it, maybe Johnny doing good brings Ed Asner his stepfather back into the picture in a positive way and it's money versus money at some point during season four it's a nice thought i would definitely like to see that we didn't even talk about as ed asner's cameos in this show as the the evil miser stepfather of johnny who's the money bag guy and everything you know again it would be nice to see but i feel like after how ed asner was brought back into this season and his reaction to helping to the thought of helping Johnny this season. And the fact that he seems really dug in and I got the money. I decide whether or not I'm going to help you. I, if I don't feel like helping, you can go screw somewhere. I don't know. I don't, I, right now I don't see it. I don't see it. It's a good idea. It's something I would like to see based on how they've set him up though. I don't know about that. Well, she makes you wonder, um, if your stepfather, you know, he has Emmys and, and Oscars on his desk, right? Yeah. What the hell did Johnny do for 20 years that he didn't get involved in that? Especially with his modeling career, because we saw all those pictures and yeah. Ali the selfies and stuff. Well, I mean, they also set up that the stepfather was a dick, so he probably didn't get let Johnny get involved in that stuff. But yeah, yeah, Johnny could have fallen back on that modeling career. Well, little, you know, you could you could oil me. What'd you say? He'd be one of those B actors in one of his uh, stepfather's uh, crazy movies. <laughs> yeah. What did Johnny say to Miguel? You could oil me up, but I'd get all over the couch. I'm not oiling you up. No, no. <laughs> all right, man. All right, I think I think that'll do it for us. Do you have any final thoughts, though, Bobby? Well, just uh, you know what? I'm gonna we'll, we'll, we'll get this out get this out there, obviously, and then I think. Little by little, more and more people will finish. I think I think the diehards have already watched the ten episodes. Mm -hmm. right? Now it's now it's to the next level to, and each each level that that finishes season three, I think you know we 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 you and I get a chance to relive it more because then more people will get it. Right now it's a small, maybe a not say small, but you know it, it's we're the diehards. We watch it right away. So mm -hmm. little by little, you know, as winter settles in and the holidays are over, and there's Less to watch on TV. I see. I think more people will jump on board, and then you know I'll, I'll probably rewatch the uh, 
third season again, like in the spring. Give me, I'm gonna give it a few weeks to like. Uh, I've already I've already rewatched a couple of those episodes a whole bunch oh, yeah? of times, and I oh yeah, like the, the the season finale in episode nine with Ali, and episode six when he goes back to Okinawa and meets up with Chosen. Those episodes I've kind I've kind of started uh, the process of gradually wearing them down because I thought they were so good. And again, I watched those episodes very quickly on Friday night, so I had nowhere to go after that, and I had it very fresh in my mind, so okay. I just kept going with that. And I'll be honest. If Sunday was not as bad for me as it was, and I was thinking straight, and I was able to put two and two together very quickly, I would have asked you to have done this on Sunday night. No worries. <laughs> that makes everything. Mm -hmm. All right, so that will do it for us here. Uh, Bobby Guarante, always a pleasure talking with you, man. We should do this more often. We will. Uh, thank you very much for being with me. For everybody listening to us on the podcasting outlets and on the I-95 Sports Radio Net, Sports Network, Blackjack TV, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you for listening to us. I am Mike Aglialoro, and I will see you all on Tuesday for This is Sports Zone. Thank you very much. Have a good one, guys.